0: nice comfortable nine iron for him they're gonna go nuts when he hits this thing yesterday's price is not today's price yo 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 What up friends, uh, welcome to the golf gambling club weekly meeting here on Monday nights before Monday night football. Uh, this is the preferred lines podcast. Welcome in. It's a golf gambling podcast. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about last week, a little bit about this week. If you're here, do me a favor, like subscribe, you know, all the jargon, do all those things, drop your name in the comments, uh, just so that I know you're here as always, if you could jump on over to the P L preferred lines, YouTube page, um, Say hello. I'll try to bring you up. I'll try to address everyone in the chat. Uh, We are proudly brought to you as a member of the Fantasy Points Media Group. Interested in signing up? The promo code is LINES22. That'll get you 10% off a sub. They've got probably one of the uh, most talented, experienced, knowledgeable teams in terms of football that you will see all year. Um, So they've got awesome fantasy and DFS content, lineup builders, optimizers, um, you know, articles that, that from the top guys of in the industry. Uh, check them out, Fantasy Points Media Group. Here's what's on tap for tonight. Uh, quick course preview. I'm going to bring on my guests here in just a second. We'll talk some of our, our dimple things, our golf guys of the week. You know the deal. I'll issue out the tweet of the week. Highly sought after award. Uh, then we're going to go through the betting board for the Zozo Championship. Uh, I'll give my best bet of the week, but without further ado, I'm Pumped up to welcome this guy on. I really enjoy his content. I really enjoy his uh, ability to kind of go out on a limb like myself sometimes and take a stand on, on some different pieces and types of content. He does articles for Action Network that's already out. He does a DFS article for Fantasy Labs. He is the host and creator of the Tap It In podcast. Also, Lost for Words with my boy Tom Jacobs, and I'm good pals with Welcome to Preferred Lines, Matt Vincenzi. What's up, dude? Hey, what's up? That was quite the introduction. I'm uh, pretty pumped about that. Thank you, man. I appreciate you joining the show. It is a pleasure to have you on. I can't believe we haven't done this sooner. Um, I'm kind of doing a, you know, trying to get people lined up through the rest of the fall and the new year. I know that uh, sometimes the fall swing is not the most exciting, but I appreciate you
1: making some time for me tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love all these events. They're all, they all pay the same amount. They all pay in cash. So we're good. Yeah. So you hit Tom last week. Yeah. I've actually been Pretty hot lately, which was which yeah, was good. I, I had a bit of a cold streak at the middle of last year, which we all do at times. And in this game, you just gotta stay the course and keep going. And eventually you're gonna get hot. And that pays for you know half the season. So um so I you know, four out of the last ten. But the Tom one was, you know, fairly obvious to a lot of people, but um you still gotta click the button.
0: Yeah, fairly obvious to a lot of people, except me apparently, <laughs> who didn't have Tom Kim. I should have been there. Um, podcast juice for tonight is something weird. I'm going beer, it's a pumpkin beer. My wife goes to Trader Joe's, man. And she comes back with some weird shit. You got anything in the in the glass
1: tonight? I got a I got a body armor. I mean, I t- I talked to you about <laughs> backstage here about this about elementary school kids, man. There's plenty plenty of jobs you can do. Uh, a little bit hungover, but uh, teaching elementary school ain't one of them. Dude, I know. I, I was
0: telling you also backstage, we may have an interesting show tonight. I've got the kids by myself. The wife is up in Orlando. Um, there could be a crying, screaming kid that comes storming in here any second. Bear with me. It's part of the gig, right? We we, yeah. we deal with adversity around here. Dad's dad life. Dad life, buddy. All right, here's what I do. Here's what I've kind of been doing through the fall swing so far. Uh, new segment that I'm kind of starting off, dimple things. We're doing this new thing, Golf Guy of the Week, presented by my boys over at Fantasy Golf Pod. Uh, My guy, Chad, Eric, Jish, they do the Golf Guys program on Wednesday nights. He's already got a couple article pieces out. We're going to issue our Golf Guy of the Week, of course, from from last week speaking. Um, You want to go first or second? I'll go second. Okay. Here's my guy. I'm going to take the easy way out. I've tried to get like witty and sarcastic a little bit with the first two, but this one was just too deserving to pass up for golf guy of the week. Uh, easy one, Tom Kim. Hard to really argue with this one. Um, I thought about doing something funny, like I said, but this guy's 20 years old, two PGA Tour wins. I saw Dan Rappaport tweeted uh, that he, you know, was playing in the Coltex, Maya Mayakung Open uh, five months ago. Now he has two PGA Tour wins. Just slayed Patrick Cantlay on the 72nd hole, beating another top player in the world. Um, second player ever to win twice before the age of 21 since World War II. The only other guy to do so was Tiger Woods, now up to number 15 in the OWGR, which I'm sure we'll talk about the ranking system here in a minute with you. Uh, But yeah, it it was just impressive, um, calm, cool, and collective. And I think my runner-up for Golf Guy of the Week would be the new caddy, Joe Scovran. I mean, Mm -hmm. nobody's come up more than Joe. Uh, he got rid of Ricky on the way out. He dealt with the way up dealing sort of with Tom on the way up now. Um, great to sort of, uh, be a calming influence on the bag there and, and nice to see him. He understands, I think how to handle a, a high profile and popular player, which really kind of reigns through, um, you know, easy one this week for me, golf guy of the week, my boy, Tom Kim, who do you got for your golf guy of the week?
1: My golf guy of the week is going to be Eugenio Chicara who won the live event. And let's just put this out here. There's nothing to do with how I feel about live or anything like that. To me, it's just simply appreciating what he did and the guys he had to beat as a 22 year old. And I mentioned this when he first signed with live, you know, a long time ago, I was like, guys, this is kind of a big deal. The number two ranked amateur, the only person who was ranked ahead of him was Kieda Nakajima, who we might talk about this week. But um, you know, it's a big deal getting that young guy, especially when the whole narrative at that point was, how the washed up players are the only people who want to go there and the kid is the kid is good um and you know he beat dustin johnson who was in form and uh, even at this point the you know the biggest live naysayers aren't really arguing that uh cam smith who was in form and um you know brooks was up there patrick reed was up there and the fact that he was able to stare all those guys down and win on sunday and you can talk about whether you think what the event means maybe it means nothing but you know, four and three quarter million on the line for a 22 year old who's won basically, you know, not much leading into the season. You can't tell me there wasn't pressure. So the yeah. kid's an absolute stud. He deserves a shout out. John Ron had a great uh, interview talking about him. So uh, props to him. Let's talk about it. Let's get right into it.
0: Um You and I, I, I think you especially. So you went to a live event, correct? You've you've yeah. been very open and I think you've been very fair to them um but you've gotten some criticism for it i have as well jeff and i have done a thing that that we do some live golf odds and there are certain people that are just completely closing the door and unwilling to embrace um what has arrived and what is here they're they're adapting they're changing i'm not i don't fault them for it i think a lot of people want to poke fun at it how they may be changing the format they may be going to a cut they may be going to 72 holes um, where do you stand on like the future of what live tour looks like next season and how does that potentially impact what we see on the PGA tour week in and week
1: out? You know, the first thing, just to address what you said at the beginning about how like people are just completely closing the door to it and yeah. it makes it tough for people like us who like people, you know, liking our content and, and engaging in with, with us on a daily basis is important for our, what we do in the space, but mm-hmm. I don't want to be unauthentic or not genuine. And I've criticized live in some aspects and the PGA tour in some yeah. aspects. And I've said positive things. I like to judge everything on a case by case basis. I'm not going to put everything into one bucket and everything into one bucket. And like, I feel like, like you said, I, I think I've been fair and, and objective, but a lot of people like have accused me of being like paid by and Like they're dead serious when they say it, I um, which is like, man, if if I'm saying this stuff anyway, maybe I should, I should be getting paid. But um, Going forward, I think people are going to have to accept, similar to what you said, that there is going to be a place in golf or live, whether you like it or whether you don't like it. It's going to be there. Um, more guys will probably join. The world ranking points will get figured out in one way or the other. I don't know. Um, and I actually am of the thought I want them to be 72 holes in a cut. I think that I think they should meet the uh, OWGR somewhere in the middle. I think mm-hmm. um you know, the, there's no, like people said, there's no reason for the OWGR to bend to them. Um, but I also don't think they have to bend completely. I think that, that there should be a happy medium. Um, you know, so I, and I think next year it'll get sorted out. Um, and I think there's a sp- there's a space for both of them, I guess. Like I still yeah. love the PJ tour just as much. Right. Right. There has to be a space for both. There's the reality
0: is, is, um, if you're going to completely shut it off and ignore it, that's fine. But you're also ignoring some of the best players in the world. And I think that, um, I don't know, I I don't want to make it political and I think a lot of people are rushing to it. Uh, I think that we see some of the most talented players, some of the most entertaining players in the world over there, and I'm willing to cover it. Like I, it's, I want to talk about golf and I want to talk about golf in all aspects, and I'm not going to completely close my doors to this. What my question for you is, so the, o- the OWGR points, it's obviously the main focus of what they're trying to achieve right now because they want their players in majors. Their players, in order to keep them happy, need to be competing in major championships. Um, that was a big thing that I think was was kind of a given to them when they came over, and it's turning out to be a little bit more of a headache than many expected. I understand going to 72 holes. What happens if they have to switch to a cut is I think that what could potentially happen, and tell me if there's a workaround in your mind for this, it kind of fucks up the whole team aspect of it because it, it throws you for a loop when you can have potentially a guy like Chikara, and if only one of his teammates make the cut, and you have another team like the high flyers or something, and all four guys make the cut, but none of them finish in the top 10, it kind of throws that for a bit of a loop. How are they going to like adapt to, to just totally changing their format in order to meet these standards for official world golf
1: rankings. So what I've heard is that when the cut takes place, those players will be cut from the, the singles tournament. Uh, they'll still play on the week. They'll still play the final round for their teams, but they won't co- count towards the singles. That's that, that's, that's pretty much what I heard. Got it. Okay. So I'm going to move on to kind of this week
0: and we'll talk a little bit of Zozo uh, before I do that. Quickly, I'm going to get to what I. this is like a little thing that I do where I just give somebody out what I think was the tweet of the week. Uh, the mm-hmm. first two were something that I found very funny. This was I actually found very insightful and and I thought very um, well done by PGA Tour Live's own Jeff Eisenband. Um, feels like Joe Skavron is going to help Tom Kim. If you haven't seen this video, watch it because the way that he sort of talks to him and deals with a very young player, I think really kind of opens the door and opens some windows into the amount of help that this guy can really give this player. Um, He talked him into a thing that he necessarily wasn't thinking, and it was all in all the right move. But I think how that they approach this partnership. And I think oftentimes and I talked to John Radhouse about this when he was on the pod, who's who's been a caddy for a number of years on the PGA Tour. The relationship and the t- this is a team part of the PGA Tour, the player caddy combination and how much it means. We saw what it did for Scotty Scheffler last year, getting a new caddy. We saw the impact that it had on Will Zalatoris as soon as he switched. Um, this is a major part of a player's career and their trajectory. And I think him being able to link up with a guy like Joe is only going to further propel kind of this ascend that he's on and make sure to keep him grounded you will let him know kind of how to handle some of the hype and the fans and all the things that are surrounding outside of the golf course and really keep him carmenalized on the course uh, and i think it's only going to lead to further success for tom i think the the you know the ceiling is very high do i think that he's going to compete on 7800 yard courses i don't know that that's his wheelhouse but these type of events um, he's got as good a short game and as good of iron play as anybody. He's
1: accurate off the tee, and he'll, he's not afraid. He's not afraid of anything. Right. I, I completely agree. Another good example is Fitz and, and Foster, what they did yes. this year. Um, And, yeah, I completely I was like this. I was like, you know, uh, Scovron and and Kim on the back nine here have been awesome, just watching them converse and how he kind of keeps him, him calm. And you can tell Tom is the type of guy who, like, gets a little um, – Chatty when he's, you know, when he's uh, in the mix and a little bit nervous, you know, he's a, as you'd expect it from a twenty-year-old. But uh, I thought he was, yeah. Joe was a perfect calming influence on him. I thought that was excellent. I think it's a great call by you on that tweet. Yeah, appreciate that.
0: Okay, so I'm going to get into this week, Niroshino Country Club. I'm going to kind of rattle off some of the basic stats and some of what I'm kind of looking to, and then at the end, I'll see if you have anything to sort of add here. Obviously, uh, right outside of Tokyo, Japan, par 70, there are three par fives, five par threes, which is kind of unusual, a tad over 7,000 yards. Uh, the fairways and rough are that zoysia grass, which players love. It tends to kind of tee it up very nicely for you. Um, it makes ball strikers really sort of appreciate the surface and doesn't really impact a lot of the misses in the rough very much. Um, greens are bent grass. They obviously have this sort of two green system where one is Bermuda, one is bent for the different types of season. They're using exclusively the bent grass greens this week. Standard on speed, slightly undulated. The big thing is they're pretty small in size. Of course, a no-cut event. Previous winners were Hideki last year at minus 15, where he had that epic eagle walk-off finish in Japan, which was one of the cooler moments that I didn't see. I'm sure a lot of people didn't see it, but um, you know, it, it's one of the things about this event being very early in the morning. It's tough to watch. But Tiger won it in 2020. Tiger and Hideki, two very deserving winners Um, Some of the other sort of unique notes, wide range of par fours. Last week, a lot of those sort of par fours all fell into this 400 to 450 yard range. This week, they're kind of really short or really long. Sneakily, like the length in this course is built into four, five of these par fours, excuse me, which are 485 yards plus on the card. A couple of par threes that are basically wedge. Nine iron holes, which is kind of unusual as well. A lot of the par threes we see on PGA Tour standards are much longer. Rough, not really a factor. Um, You know, tree line. But if you can, the rough is negligible as long as you're not stuck behind a tree. I think it's an iron play in a ball strikers course. Um, I am going to look to a little bit of around the green game this week, which I haven't the past couple of weeks because, they are demanding. They're tough to hit. They're smallish in size. I think that, uh, given the score as well, right around 15 under par, you're going to need to scramble. You're going to need to get up and down quite
1: often. Uh, what have you kind of assessed from the course, Matt? Anything that I missed there? A lot, no, a lot of the same stuff. I mean, in terms of driving, I do think it's important to um, be relatively accurate. Like you said, the rough is incredibly penal, but you don't want to get too off course here because of how you know close together the trees are when you get when you start actually really spraying it. Um, so I use good drives gain for that because that kind of that kind of factors that in. Uh, and I, I completely agree iron players. I mean, a course, where Tiger Woods won and Hideki Matsuyama won, it's all iron play. And um, I think there might be in the, what you're saying about the green complexes, right? The bent grass and they're um, a little bit complex. I think I don't know if there's a Augusta national crossover with if you look at hideki and tiger obviously that that's points to a lot but but i do think they're around the green play is going to be important like you said um and the ability to kind of you know hit a lot of greens in regulation too that's what i'm looking at
0: yeah well i think there is i think will Zalatoris said it last year that he kind of likened it to augusta a little bit when he was out there um tree lines not much rough smallish greens around 12 to 15 under par it does sound a lot kind of Mm -hmm. like that um let's go ahead and kick it right over to the betting board board. okay all the way up top xander shawfly he's eight plus 850 over at fandle is actually the best number you can get on him sung jm 11 to 1 coming in in good form tom kim right off a victory over to japan 14 to 1 morikawa 16 to 1 he's had some success here hideki 16 to 1 defending champion and Cameron Young is 18-1, to one, the best number available. Those are all the guys under 20-1, to one, Matt. Anyone you like, anyone you don't like, anyone you, you've kind of got your eye on or a bet that you've made so far, I'll open
1: it up to you. So there's one bet I really love that I've absolutely hammered already and I have a really, really strong feeling about. Um, before I get there, I did look long and hard at um, at Sungjae, but just the form that he's in. You talked about the Masters comp. I like what he's been doing. I like... Um, the core setup for him i just think it's a really nice fit for him i'm you know no interest in going there at the current price i was actually hoping that i could get maybe a 16 or 18 going into the week when i started doing my research over the weekend but it's not going to happen and i'm not going to be there at 11 to 1 the guy who, who i'm all in on is colin morikawa and i okay. didn't bet i didn't bet him once last year so not a single time that i bet him last year i wasn't chasing it i thought he was out of form i thought the irons kind of had been falling off and, you know, subpar for him, even though they're good, they're still not what, what the level that he was at. Um, I think he's starting to turn it around. He gained 5.2 strokes on approach at the tour championship. Um, He played pretty well at the, at the president's cup. Um, He started really hot at this time of year last year. And then in Japan, he was T four in the Olympics. And then he was T seven here. Uh, so both starts in Japan, he's half, half Japanese. He's talked, um, about how much it means playing in front of the, in front of the fans. We saw that kind of payoff for Xander at the Olympics. Um, you talk about an iron play, right? He wins where Tiger wins is a big correlation there. And I think, you know, the best iron player in the tournament is a, is a good place to start. Yes. I think that he is a good place to start. I've got one as well, and this
0: is kind of God, man, this is kind of a weird one for me because I don't normally do this, but I did it and I've in full transparency. I've got to be I've got to be open with this show and be honest. I bet Xander. Um, he's eight to one. I don't love the price. I like that it's a shortened field. And we've just been seeing, we almost saw it with Cantley last week. We saw it with Homa. Um, I don't know if it's a thing where these top players are necessarily beginning to separate themselves and create a little bit of a larger gap between them and the rest of the field. But I really like his chances here. When I looked at all the modeling, when I look at some of the course history he has, he's a clear far and away number one guy for me. And he's a little bit loose with the driver, but you mentioned good drives gained earlier. He's one of the top guys in the field, which is basically a stat that is, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's going to accumulate not only your your greens and regulation percentage from the fairway, but also are you able to still hit greens from the rough, which is kind of a way uh, a way in layman's terms of saying, if you miss, how far do you miss by? Mm-hmm. If you're close to the fairway, still able to get it onto the green and regulation, that's going to count as a good drive gain. The ball striking numbers are, of course, there. The President's Cup stuff, I thought that he was great. Speaking of President's Cup, uh, shout out my guy Tim Waters for sending me over this hat who was at the President's Cup. Um, I appreciate you. You dealt with the hurricane. You sent me a hat. You're a cool dude, Tim. Thank you. Back to Xander. Um, look, he's played well here. He's a great putter. He's a great ball striker, really good in scrambling. And what I kind of looked at was the, the the awkwardness, Matt, of a lot of these par fours where they come in this awkward range of really long or really short. Um, he's got this sort of gap when I look even long term and short term at some of his proximity and approach numbers where he's really, really solid and and fundamentally as good as anybody from like 75 to 125 yards. And then when you bump it up to like 175 to 225, he's really good there, the best in the field. But he's like 66 in the field in that sort of mid-tier range, Mm -hmm. which is where a lot of the par fours typically come on a PGA Tour event. They don't really come here. So I think he's going to be hitting less and less shots this week with those clubs than he normally does. He's going to be the sand wedge and his pitching wedge and then his long irons, which is where he can really excel. He's the number one player in the field from over 200 yards should help him on the par fives should help him on those long par fours. I'm going to reluctantly have a smaller card this week because I need to go up top
1: and I took an eight to one on Xander Shoffley. Yeah, no problem at all with that bet. I think um, he's a worthy favorite. I think eight to one is a fair number considering what you're getting and especially considering the fact that he's starting to win a little bit more recently. So you don't Mm -hmm. really have that thing looming over his head whether he can win or not. Um, Won the Olympics in Japan. You know, I don't know how similar the course was, but you talk about the agronomy, the climate. That stuff does matter to these guys and um, getting acclimated there. And uh, yeah, I I think it's a winning score, I think is a good spot for Xander. All those things you said Mm -hmm. make a lot of sense.
0: All right, let's go up to 20 to one. Some interesting names here that we haven't seen in quite a while. Victor Hovland's 21 to one. Tyrell Hatton's 27 to one. Corey Connors, 28 to one. Mito's now all the way down to 35 to one. Siwoo's 35 to one. Tommy Fleetwood, 35 to one. Keegan Bradley, 37 to one at this event. And Tom Hoagie, I'll even throw in there, is 40 to one.
1: That's that range, Matt. Anyone you like in here? Yeah. So there's one, there's some guys I'm considering, but as of now I made two bets for the tournament. The first was Morikawa. The second was Mito Pereira. I got a 37 to one, um, that a boy, Mike, uh, 37 to one. And I liked him just because I was on him last week. He made a nice run uh, for me, um, doubled down halfway through a 66 again. So that was, a, you know, it, was, it felt like a really nice play. Didn't pay off, but you know, it was definitely worth the bet. And a bet I'd make 10 times out of 10 Gained 9.1 strokes in approach led the field. Um, just couldn't make a putt, really. And the, you know, his the stats weren't that bad, but it just seemed like every time he needed one, it wouldn't fall. But he played really well last week. He's starting around in the form. I think he's better than most of the guys in this tier. Um, you know, if you look at the guys right next to him, I I like him better than them. I think the win is gonna come. He was also T four at the Olympics. Yeah. So he has that that history. I like him on bank grass. Um, so yeah, I, I think Mito has a chance to win. I can I can envision him winning it, which is always part of it for me.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll segue right into it. My best bet of the week, Mito Pereira. We were both on him last week. The, 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 I tweeted out right before the thing started that the most awkward number in terms of talent and where he was at on the betting board last week, and what I thought was value was Mito Pereira. You doubled down on, on basically the same thing after round one and said, look, this guy's still striking the hell out of the ball. He's still maybe the one of the top two or three ball strikers in the entire field. The opportunities are there. Can he make enough putts? Now, getting the 24, 25 under, I think, is not long term. I think when we look back on Mito's career, we're going to be like 25 under par is not really his thing. 15 under par, where it, you have to be a great ball striker, is probably his thing. Number one in opportunities gained, He's given himself the looks. The good drives gained as well as first. The ball striking, he's top three. Greens and regulation, he's fourth. Now, he's never played this specific event, but you can kind of see the wave there in recent form where it was really good, right? PGA Championship, Memorial, Charles Schwab, I think were those three events, which are tougher events, right? The score was lower to par. Then he got into this stretch where everything went down and he was missing cuts, and now he's on his way back up. And I think that he's ready to peak this week. I still think that he's mispriced. The 45-1 to 1 still isn't there. It was what I got early this morning when I made this graphic. Um, I, I still even like the 35 to one with as good as he's playing even played pretty well. At the president's cup. I like the fact that he's got a lot of reps under his belt. He's just going to keep riding this form. Uh, Mito's my guy, man.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Obviously, you know, we're on the same page here. He, um, he, I like what you said trending up. Cause that's exactly what I'm thinking too. Like we're not buying a week too late when he just, you know, <laughs> lost and finished in second place. And now he's 25 to one. Like he's still at that number where, yeah the, the market hasn't You're completely right. caught up and i think that yeah i get 35 is a very very fair number i mean he's a much greater chance to win than keegan bradley i mean even tommy who i love and um you know cam davis McNeely. i just think he's above right now those guys in terms of his ability to actually go out and win this tournament um he's like uh neiman too like they both love bent grass all his wins in the corn Ferry tour are on bent grass hmm. so i'll, I'll only bet him on bent grass every single one um you know, and pretty much everything he's contended in has been grass. So, uh, that's one of the first things I look for. And I, I so yeah, I'm completely with you. Good stat on the corn fairy tours. Did you say there was another guy in this range you had? No, well, I was no one that I've bet. So right now the only two other guys i looked at, I was looking at Hovland at 21.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, I always go back to him. I'm a, you know, he's, I'm a huge Hovland guy. He's, you know, and one thing that I said which is kind of talking me off of him was like when he was at the open championship and he was in the final group with Rory and he was one shot back yep Saturday night. I thought he had zero chance to win. And <laughs> and that's a guy who's 25 to 30 to one to win the tournament. So how can you really go back to a guy who I don't have the confidence in right now? And this isn't the open championship, so we definitely can win this, but um, he just hasn't shown the ability to close the way I want him to close yet in a field you know that's that's better than the Mayakoba or the you know Puerto Rico or whatever. Um, I still love him. I still think he's a chance to win. Twenty one is I think a bit of an enticing number, um, but yeah. I you know, I don't know. What do you think about him? Yeah, he was that was that was that's really all it was for me. And it was like,
0: do I go Hovland and maybe one more in this range, or would I rather just take Xander? And really, mm-hmm. the only I kept coming back to the only thing that I really like about Hovland is that number is 21 to one and getting more points on it. And I always try to assess like it's like what they say about football, like you're not betting the teams, you're betting the number. But it's some degree like and I've always tried to play golf that way, but it's feeling I'm feeling like a shift sort of in my strategy. And I really have to like assess what the I think this player's chances of winning. I like Hideki, I like Morikawa, I like Z- I like Xander, I like these guys at the top a lot more in terms of what I think the win equity is right now than Vic and one more, which is why I kind of went up there, you know, for me. Um, 40 to 60 to one range, kind of a meaty range here. Cam Davis just sticks at this number, 42 to one. Matt McNeely's 42. Sahith is back, 45 to one. Stallings, 45. Bazaden Hoot, Fifty to one, Cage Lee. Fifty to one, Neesmith, Great week last week. Fifty to one. I thought he was going to pull out solo second, but can't let like, drain that putt <laughs> uh, for triple. Munoz is fifty to one. Straka fifty to one. Herbert, Riley, Griot—they're all kind of in
1: this range. Is there anyone that, that's caught your attention? No one that I'm betting. Um, Davis obviously makes sense um, based on some factors, but uh, the good drives gain thing—I don't even look what he is, but I just can probably guarantee that it isn't good. Because I, he just has the tendency to absolutely spray it every once in a while, and um, yeah, sixty fifth. Yeah, I just figured, and and just yeah, I don't trust his ability to kind of um keep the ball where it needs to be played in a in a tougher course like this. You know, those straight ahead rocket mortgage three M's, those places where you can kind of just play the course right ahead of you, and they're not really complex. I I, I like him better at those types of places. So uh, Munoz was really good at the Olympics. I, you know, I'm still kind of using that a little bit. There's no one in this range who I'm actually going to bet. Grillo. I I uh, mean, I was down that road two weeks ago, and <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't trust him, but no.
0: Yeah, there are formats, I think, for Grillo.
1: Um, fantasy, cash game,
0: mm-hmm. an app like Jock Market, where you're just trying to beat like a baseline expectation level of like, okay, if he finishes uh, 16th, he's going to make me money this week. Betting him to win is a different thing. I, I I half bet in on this guy, and I and I may put in my full normal wager, but I just wanted to get a piece of it. And it was Munoz, Mm -hmm. Um, 55 to one. You mentioned the Olympics. He's also been really good here. He's top five in strokes gain total. And, you know, it's only two events going back to Niroshino here at this event. But he's been very good. Um, I thought that he was solid at the President's Cup. I thought that he was like, we didn't make enough of him beating Scotty Scheffler on Sunday. Um, That kind of with all that happened with Tom Kim and the USA win, that kind of got lost in it. But. Um, he was, he was a part of like a big parlay for me that I was sweating, uh, you know, he was a huge underdog. Uh, he, he played better than Scotty nearly all day and was able to, to, to pretty easily beat him. The approach play has come back around. We know that he gets hot and cold. Um, but I think that there are some positive signs in a field of only like 70 guys. Um, if you believe a little bit in a guy is 55 to one, I think that you have to take, and that's why I kind of half bet him, but he was the only one that really, I had a little bit, you know, I thought about Neesmith, um, as well, but Munoz is a guy I'm a little bit more confident in closing the deal for talking about
1: outright bets and, and actually getting a win. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'll go and say there's no chance Smith wins the event. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'll put myself out there like that, but, um, I, I agree with you on Munoz. He could definitely win. I, I, the, I do think there's something to it. You said there's only two times he played, um, this course, but he played well. And then you look at Japan, like it can't be a coincidence that three times he's played in Japan, he's finished in the top five or top seven every single time. Um, it th- dude, it would throw me off. I'd be terrible if I gotta travel and deal with jet lag and go to someplace
0: completely unfamiliar. So I I'm I'm if I'm outside of my normal schedule and routine, I'm fucked up, man. Yep. so I can understand how some guys can deal with that a lot
1: better than others. I can see like a top five or something too, with him betting something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, yeah. i I like it a lot. I haven't I haven't betted I <laughs> I thought about it a little bit, but I kind of just, I don't know, forget what happened when I was thinking about it. But everything that you say, I agree with, and I actually might get on board with it.
0: As I kind of open this thing up, I'm just going to kind of open up the rest of the board. You've got Mac Hughes obviously coming off a victory. Mark Hubbard's playing pretty well, 75 to 1. Putnam's playing pretty damn well, 80 to 1. Uh, you've got Ricky here. Taylor Morris has had some good finishes. Kitayama. Aaron Rye, you know, there's guys, there's Fenson down here, Smalley. Brendan Steele is an interesting one because you look at the, like, I've part of me feels like the ball striking numbers have to be lying with Brendan Steele because he always ranks out so high, yet you look (laughs) at his finishes and you're like, I don't understand if ball striking is king and approaches king on the PGA Tour, how he's doing this. It's 125 to one. He's played pretty well here. Is there any validity toward taking, you think, a long shot in a no? Do you think the no cut? Gives the long shots a better chance or a worse chance in terms of
1: probability to win? Or does it not matter? Much worse chance, I think. I think Uh, so, too. The cream's going to rise to the top and a no cut. That's why I I said on my show earlier today, and it's kind of the exact same thing that you said earlier today, was um, you have to have a guy in the top seven on the odds board. Like, if you're just trying to punt this thing away and take three or four guys from 40 on, you're not going to win. The the winner's coming from the first seven or eight guys in the odds. But I truly, truly believe that. And if it doesn't, it's going to be a guy like Mito, who is all the talent, but he kind of is rounding back into form um yep. so i see no reason to kind of to kind of go d- um deep into here brendan Steele looks looks and acts like a serial killer um so that's <laughs> that's going to be a no um but the, yeah ball striking is always good but he's, he's he's trending down he's like the opposite of meter right now he was really great for a while and yeah. every week he's gotten worse and worse so
0: yeah i think the only way to play these guys and we'll see when those markets come out i haven't dove into them too much but um like a top 10 market in a 70-man field i can see some of these guys you know, potentially sneaking into like a Svensson, you know, like a Buckley or a Rogers, And maybe you can get like an eight, nine to one on a top 10, which which they may be able to do, but you're right. Um No cut all of, you know, you've got Jay, Hideki, all these guys up here, no matter how they play the first two days are going to be around for that weekend. And, and it gives more of a
1: chance, a better probability for that cream to definitely rise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I bet if you look at like the w, WGC Chinas, um, the top, you know, the winner and the second place in every single one of them, it's been a stud. I remember, you know, um, not that it's the same thing, but it's probably the most similar thing that you're going to see. Like yeah. I remember staying up and watching Rory versus X one of those times, um, at the WC China. I, I think it's a, a pretty similar thing. Like one of these guys is going to come up to the top. You look into any live stuff this week. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I previewed it a little bit today. Um, it's nice. Where's X actually- playing? They're playing at the um, Royal Green, the club where they play the the Saudi International. So we have Are a lot they? of actually data on it, which is nice for a change. So what do you give me? Give me a take on it. Like, what do you see
0: in terms of skill set for a player? Are there any bets that, that kind of caught your eye this morning?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a short coastal track. Um, Gray McDowell's one on it. Dustin Johnson's one on it. Phil talked about how much he loves it. It's, so I, I, I really comp it a lot to pebble beach. Um, it's past Palum all the way up all the way through, which you mm. saw Phil win it in Kiaway. Cause you see those coastal, those coastal courses that are, that are especially on the ocean that, um, the, the courses can't really handle the hot water. Most of the grass, uh, the salt water, most of the grass types is really damaging to the grass. The past Palum is really thick and, um, really spongy and it can actually absorb it. And, uh, that's why the greens are so slow and that's why sometimes you see really bad putters put well on it. Um, so, you know, something like that. That's why Hovland wins on past Palom. But um, so I, th- I think Phil makes sense with the Pebble Beach correlation. You had McDowell winning there. It's really short. It's a par 72, only 7,000 yards. Wow! Um, but when DJ's played on it, he's dominated. He is uh, he's like Cantley last week at, at Shriners. He's um, in the last four times there. He's first, second, first, eighth. Jesus. Why? Well, let me ask you this, because I had this take
0: last week with Jeff and I didn't hit Shakara. But I think the take still kind of rings true. I think the best in terms of getting betting value out of live, I think the best thing for us as the better that could have happened were DJ and Cam Smith going back to back. Mm -hmm. They're such heavy favorites. I do think that. um, Trying to figure out the White Raider phrase this, if this if, if every live event was 72 holes, I think the probability of it coming from the top would be better. The fact that it's only 54 holes, I do think can kind of open this thing up. And and it's harder for these guys. It's harder for DJ. It's harder for Cameron Smith to win. It opens up a little bit of variability where, you know, you have a bad five hole stretch and you could totally be out of it. Where if it were 72 holes, like like we said in this event, with all these guys getting there, the cream, the cream could eventually rise. It does feel like with them at plus 450 and plus 600 to one. I, I'm okay, like kind of ignoring that and, and going with some guys in the 20s. But it sounds like DJ, um by is is all systems go. He, he obviously locked up the player of the year, which was what 18
1: million today. Does yeah. that you think that factors in at all? It could. I mean, I, he could lose a little bit of motivation, especially getting the win under the belt and then doing that. Like I'm, perp- he's been great at this place, and he's going to be in the mix. But I'm perfectly fine going against him here. And I will say this about last week: I'm really pissed because I've been betting Chikara basically every event and i've been screaming from the rooftops about how good he is but then last week i was like i'm so sick of this shit. i don't want to watch this at one o'clock in the morning like i'm yeah. um, sick of battling with people on twitter and shit i'm taking a week i'm not i'm just taking this week off um and i did bet lahiri but i was like i didn't really dive into the event and so i'm pissed i missed the chikara but um i don't mind lahiri again he's won on past palom um in india before 50 at, one yeah 50 i think i saw 60 out there um Brooks sniffed contention again. I know you talked about liking him last week. I did. I bet him
0: last week. I didn't tell anyone. I kind of secretly bet him. And it was like, it felt like he was almost always there. He didn't putt well and he hasn't putted well. And I wonder if it's practice and you can always get into that with Brooks and like how, how motivated is he? How determined is he? What else is going on in, in the world of Brooks that is distracting him from golf? Uh, which can always be there, but it's starting to feel like he's ready to win again. And I do feel like these numbers last week at 33 to one I got was like that felt like more of a sweet spot than 20. But um, he showed another, you know, top 10 finish and he's he's close,
1: I think. Yeah, It's a good number. The stats, which I don't know how much we can really read into because they're very like old schooly stats. But yeah. The stats said that he, T to green, he wasn't good. And he was like 11th putting, which really, which I I agree with you. Every time you looked at the screen, he was missing a putt. So I don't yeah. understand why that was the case, but that's what the stats said. Um, James Pyatt, who I don't think is at the level of Chikara, who's his, he, he led the field in T to green. So what is he like 150 or something?
0: Yeah, he is 175 to one on bet. Three, six, five. That's huge. There's Graham McDowell is 200. Yeah.
1: He's been playing pretty bad, but he, yeah, he's obviously, um, one at this course. So that, that, mm. that tells you a lot. Phil, I do like, I like, I like a flyer on Phil. Maybe he's 81, but um, he's talked about loving this course. He has the pebble beach success. He's played it a couple times. Varner won at this course, although I'm never going to touch him at 2025 20, to one. That's he's, yeah. He's priced because of it. Um, I, Bryson who I don't like the course fit, but I do think he's trending towards something. I'm not going to bet at this week, but is one guy who I like. who I liked. Um, he played pretty well. He's been I like that. For- He's been playing really well. It's a shorter course where I think irons it's going to play difficult. The winning score is going to be a little bit higher than what we've seen because it does get really really windy there. Um, I think he's a good wind player. Uh, I think he's the perfect type of player for this for this golf course. And twenty five I think is fair. Wow. Dude, that was great um, initial
0: breakdown. I'm going to have the picks out with Jeff tomorrow, but that's a great baseline to get started on. I appreciate you You bringing some knowledge to me tonight. Uh, The articles are both out now. Tap It In is out now. Um, You're doing the show with Tom Jacobs tomorrow night. Matt, pleasure to have you on. Uh, Come back anytime, my man. Awesome. I loved it. Hopefully we can uh, do it again soon. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Have a good night. All right. All right. Good stuff um, was really good to talk to him. I, I, I've been uh, wanting to for quite a long time, so I appreciate him making some time to come on the show. A couple of dads, uh, a couple of guys with a lot of vowels in our name. So it's, <laughs> it's always good to bring uh fellow compadres on here. Um, yeah. Good live stuff. Good luck at the Zozo this week. I wish you all the best of luck Had enjoy your Monday night. Um, give the show a like and up subscribe on the way out. Thanks again. Peace.